Brick Moon Fiction presents Terminal by Lauren A. Forey. Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle. We've lost Engine 2. We're losing altitude. We're never going to make it. Claire grit her teeth and kept her hands on the controls as the plane rapidly descended. We'll make it if I say we'll make it. But Captain, make sure your tray table is locked and your seat's in the upright position, Rogers, because we're coming in for a landing. The alarms in the cockpit deafened her. She fought to keep the nose up and ordered Rogers to lower the landing gear. Her pilot's wings caught the gleam of the western sun as the shaking plane tipped down. She'd lost her sunglasses when the engine blew and the glare blinded her, but she knew the runway was there. Just as she knew she had 253 souls on board and they were all counting on her. A single drop of sweat ran from her forehead down to the collar of her pristine pilot's uniform. The ground rose up to meet them. The plane threatened to lose control. But Claire would not give in. She closed her eyes and with a mighty shout, Ding! The fastened seatbelt sign went off and every passenger raced to the plane's narrow aisles. All the empty space around Claire filled in before she could even remove her seatbelt. Stuck in her seat, Claire took stock of the situation to avoid punching anyone. Sometime during the flight, her hairband had snapped and the ends of her hair had fallen onto the glob of spit-up Molly had gifted her with during landing which was soaking into her I'd-rather-be-flying t-shirt. Her 21-pilot sweatshirt lay somewhere at her son's feet. Zip, slink, splat. But her five-year-old was too engrossed in whatever game he was playing on her Kindle to help look for it. Molly screamed in Claire's lap, upset over being taken from the onboard bassinet for landing and from the change in air pressure. Carry-ons were yanked down from overhead compartments, filling the already crowded aisle space. Claire turned Molly at the last second to avoid a duffel bag smacking them both in the head and bumped a man in a ten-gallon cowboy hat, who glared like it was the baby who was the inconvenience. Her mom's voice echoed in her head. Bad idea. Traveling with kids isn't like traveling alone. You'll hate every minute of it. Claire pat Molly on the back, smelled the dirty diaper, had her elbow smacked by a duty-free bag. Nope, this was fine. She was fine. Molly and Grayson were fine. Everyone was fine. They were all just annoyed over the emergency landing. The crowd in the aisle shifted. The jetway had been attached, the door opened. Claire hoped one of the passengers would provide a gap in the aisle, but no one did. They continued to stream by, either purposefully ignoring her and the crying baby, or acknowledging they were there, but didn't care. No one wanted to be stuck behind a slow-moving mom with two kids as if disembarking first meant they would somehow arrive first, even though they were all stuck the same thousands of miles from their destination. From her middle row, Claire looked across the aisle to try and see out the windows, get a sense of their surroundings, but there was only blackness, not even guidance lights for the gate. Weird. Are we in New York? Grayson asked, still playing the game. Not yet. There was a detour. Still unable to get up. Claire lay Molly on her lap and slipped on the baby carrier she had kept stuffed on the seat beside her thigh. It rubbed over the same bruises it had created when she needed to walk back and forth in the airport with Molly prior to takeoff to keep her from fussing. Grayson's little character died in the game, and he tossed the Kindle onto the seat and jumped into the aisle, cutting off a lady wearing a neck pillow. Grayson, get back here! He slunk back into their row. But they're leaving! I know they're leaving, we have to wait our turn. But why are they going first? We're in front. It's our turn. Because we still have to get our bags. They got their bags. I know they have their bags. Molly screamed as Claire slipped her into the baby carrier. She's not used to it. She won't like it, Mom had said. Claire clenched her jaw and refused to admit Mom was right. Molly accepted the carrier more easily than at the start of the trip. Sort of. Mommy, can I get a window seat on the next plane? This will be the next plane. We're not changing seats. She could almost see the last of the passengers. Then why did we stop? Don't we stop to switch planes? Sometimes. This time we stopped because there's bad weather. Here? Grayson jumped to try to see out the plane's darkened windows. Not here. New York. We have to wait until it's safe to fly into New York. Where's here? He asked as he picked up his Kindle and resumed the annoying game. Somewhere in Iceland. Didn't you listen to anything the pilot said? The last man in the aisle, a businessman about Claire's age, well-dressed in a tailored suit, passed her. 
She smiled and pointed to the overhead compartment, but he avoided eye contact and hurried off the plane. Claire was tempted to stick out her tongue at him, but restrained herself because then Grayson would start doing the same thing. With Molly strapped to her chest, Claire scooted out of the row, stepping on her sweatshirt as she did so. Her knees popped as she stood for the first time in five hours. After wrapping her sweatshirt around her waist, she managed to get the handle of the diaper bag and pull it down, nearly hitting Molly in the process. She dropped it on the seat and looked up into the compartment for their other bags. Grayson put the Kindle in the diaper bag. Grayson paused the game and put the Kindle in the diaper bag. It's our turn to get off the plane. Grayson, Kindle, now. One, two. Grayson chucked the Kindle into the bag without turning it off and crossed his arms with a pout. Claire fished it out, turned it off, and put it back in the bag. Keep acting like that and you won't get it for the rest of the flight. Claire winced as soon as she said it, knowing what a stupid thing it was to say. It would be more of a punishment for her than for him, especially since she had no idea how much longer the trip would be. The plane was completely empty now except for Claire and the kids, and the crew members huddled at the front of the plane with the pilot and co-pilot. She grabbed the handle of Grayson's bumblebee-shaped carry-on and brought it down carefully so as not to hit Molly. Grayson, come here and hold Mr. Bumble. They should give us window seats because you work for the airline, he said, doing as he was told. It doesn't work like that. Well, they should give you window seats because you're going to fly planes too. I said it doesn't work like that. She lost her grip on her carry-on and it fell into the aisle with a crash. The crew startled at the sound, noticing Claire for the first time. One flight attendant shared a worried glance with the captain, then hurried down the aisle towards Claire. All passengers must disembark, ma'am. Yeah, I know, I'm trying. Claire smiled, but the woman frowned. As quickly as possible, ma'am. There was a high and tight quality to her voice, the same tone Claire used on customers when something had gone wrong. Is everything okay? She asked. Everything is absolutely fine, ma'am. Just waiting for the weather to clear. Please join the other passengers in the terminal. Instructions will be forthcoming. The attendant hurried back to the group while Claire retrieved her carry-on. One of the other attendants had her arms crossed, hugging herself. Another chewed on a hangnail while he listened to the captain. Claire made Grayson go in front of her as they made their way slowly up the aisle. She couldn't make out the words of the conversation, but there were many hushed whispers, what sounded like questions from the crew, who all went silent and avoided Claire's gaze when she reached them. The smell of stale air lingered in the jetway, the smell of her grandma's attic and Claire was hesitant to leave the plane. But the crew kept waiting, kept staring. Come on, Grayson, Molly needs a change. The whispers resumed as soon as she was on the jetway, but she didn't linger. In the terminal building, most of her flight had dispersed throughout the gate area. It was a small airport, just the one terminal, and it was quiet at this time of night. Claire wasn't sure what the time actually was or what time zone they were in, but it was dark and late and there didn't seem to be any waiting flights other than theirs. The air in the terminal felt colder than the plane, and goosebumps rose on her arms. She looked for someone to speak to at the gate, but there was no one. The departure boards were blank. Before she could inquire further, Molly started crying again. Grayson cupped his hands over his ears to block her out. Okay, we're moving. Bathroom. Where is the bathroom? Signs in what she assumed to be Icelandic, with the English translation below, pointed her towards the bathrooms, up the hall from the gate area. She passed ten-gallon hat eyeing some shiny souvenir keychains, the suited man examining the perfume display. When she got to the bathroom, there was no changing table. Not even a counter, just freestanding sinks. Seriously? The only place to change her would be to lay her in the middle of the floor. The other women from her flight went in and out of the stalls, walking around her, bumping into Grayson and Mr. Bumble unintentionally. Claire led Grayson back into the hall and looked around. Mommy, do you hear that? Hear what, baby? She asked absentmindedly, looking for a family bathroom. It sounds like Grandma's dog. Like when he walks around the kitchen and licks the floor. Grandma's dog is weird, and lots of people are walking. This way, she spotted a sign with a baby and followed it further up the hall, past a service elevator, around a corner, and through some brightly colored duty-free displays of candy and liquor. Not like people, Grayson said but Claire was only half paying attention. Molly's cries had started up again. She had to get her out of this diaper. They finally reached the door marked with the baby sign, but when Claire tried the handle, it was locked. 
She knocked. Just a minute, Molly's screaming drowned out everything else. Claire bounced to try and soothe her even though it didn't work. Grayson kept looking over his shoulder like a kid who'd never been in an airport before, but he wouldn't tell her what he was looking for. She thought of the pilot's faces. Maybe something was wrong with the plane. Or worse, maybe a terrorist attack. On 9-11, no one told the passengers on grounded planes what had happened or what was going on. But most grounded planes hadn't been allowed to disembark either. She would try to use her pull with the airline to try to find out more. But first, Molly's diaper. Claire checked her watch, kept bouncing Molly, knocked on the door again. Just a minute, the woman hollered again, this time less polite. Claire didn't remember seeing any other babies or even children on the plane. What was taking so long? Baby, stop it. Grayson had clung to Claire's leg, was practically pulling her pants down. But I hear it. Hear what? Grayson, let go of my pants. But he didn't. Claire raised her hand to knock again when she heard the toilet flush. It took another two or three minutes for the door to actually open. A large woman in a leopard print muumuu with a Florida tan, Claire remembered her from a few rows back, came out of the bathroom, alone. It's so nice to have a little privacy, isn't it? She said with a slight southern twang. I just can't stand those communal bathrooms, you know? I know I just want to be able to change my baby's diaper in the area reserved for changing baby's diapers. The woman smiled at Molly and spoke in that annoying sing-song voice strangers adopted for children. So you're the little doll that kept causing all that ruckus. Oh, you're so little to be traveling so far. Where's your daddy, huh? Your mommy shouldn't be traveling all alone with y'all. So stressful. When my kids were this little, we didn't take them on planes. We stayed home or left them with their grandparents. Yes, we did. It was better for everybody. Yes, it was. Everything Claire's parents had said to her, in one form or another. Their father died in Afghanistan. Can I change my daughter's diaper now? The woman went red in the face, muttered something that sounded like, thank you for your service, and waddled off down the hallway. She waited for Grayson's inevitable, Mommy, why'd you make up a story again? comment, but it never came. He remained glued to her leg while staring at the ceiling. Into the bathroom, Grayson, into the bathroom. She dragged Grayson, along with everything else, inside. Grayson quickly locked the door without being asked, then sat in the corner on Mr. Bumble. The bathroom wasn't very clean. Dirty diapers filled the trash can, and someone had left a torn baby sling and a ripped diaper bag under the sink. A smear on the wall beneath the mirror could have been blood or poop. But at least it had a changing table, one which Molly, crying and squirming, threatened to roll off of. What Claire wouldn't give for a hot latte and a cinnamon roll at a corner table in the airport cafe, the way she always used to recharge between flights or when she was on a break. Now she had to stand in a smelly bathroom washing even smellier green poo off her baby's back before even thinking about sitting down somewhere. And it would be goldfish crackers or fruit snacks instead of a cinnamon roll because Grayson would want to eat at least half of whatever she bought and she couldn't buy two cinnamon rolls, not with airport prices when her employee discount didn't apply. Bad time for a trip, Mom had told her. They're both still so young, especially Molly. Why take her when she won't even remember? Because Claire had wanted to go on a trip with her children. Because Molly flew free if Claire held her during the flight. Because when, if, she qualified as a pilot, she'd be away more than she was now. Flight school. The thought of it brought a nagging pain to her stomach. Why did I even... She muttered, grabbing another wipe. But she knew why. She'd fallen in love with air travel ever since that trip to Disney when she was eight. And she wanted to see the sky and the stars. And working check-in desks for the better part of her twenties and thirties was sucking the life out of her and was this close to killing her love of flying. But maybe she should have waited until the kids were older, like Mom had said. Wait till they were in school. High school. Even though she'd be so much older then, too. She knew she could always quit. Knew the male flight instructors would be happy when she did. Pilots didn't really make that much money, anyway. Not like people thought. If she stayed grounded, she'd be a supervisor soon. With a better salary. Better hours. She pushed the tired argument from her mind. Suffering from jet lag was not the time to make those decisions. The only thing that mattered right now was figuring out the truth about what was going on with their flight. And she couldn't do that until she finished this diaper change. And just when she thought she could fit a new diaper on Molly, 
Claire found another splotch of green baby poo on the back of Molly's neck. How is that even possible? Claire checked her watch, then pulled another baby wipe from the pack. Grayson, help Mommy out and put these in the trash can over there. She finished wiping Molly's neck and handed the wipe to Grayson, but he wasn't there. With one hand on Molly to keep her from rolling off the plastic changing table, Claire turned to see Grayson in the opposite corner of the family restroom, still sitting on Mr. Bumble, looking up at the ceiling. Grayson, help, please. Clicking. It sounds like clicking. I don't hear any clicking, Grayson. Now come here and throw this stuff out for me so I can finish changing Molly. Like this. He bent over and tapped his fingernails on the tile floor. Click, click. Click, click. Grayson, here, now. She checked her watch again. We have to get back to the gate. Grayson looked up at the ceiling, then to the door. Claire took a deep breath, then started to count. One, two... He shot to his feet and took the dirty wipes and diaper. Thank you. Claire secured the new diaper, checked her watch, and slipped Molly into a clean onesie. She took a moment to take off the carrier and slip on her sweatshirt. Did they have the air conditioner on in this place? She couldn't stop shivering. Once the carrier was back on, with practiced efficiency, she buckled Molly into the carrier, tossed everything back into the diaper bag, and flung it over her shoulder. She grabbed the handle of her carry-on and reached for Grayson's hand with the other. But Grayson remained by the trash, looking at the torn baby sling. Grayson, leave it. We have to go. But I don't want it to get us, he whispered. What's going to get us? He held up the old baby sling. There were three tears in it that, to a five-year-old, could be mistaken for claw marks. She rolled her eyes. It ripped because it's cheap, that's all. Come on, it's time to go. I want to check something about our flight. Hold tight to Mr. Bumble and you can have a fruit snack when we get back to the gate. Grayson clutched Mr. Bumble and slipped his free hand into Claire's. But when she went to open the door, he held her back. She gave a little tug, and Grayson went with her. The wheels of their carry-on echoed down the empty white corridor. Already the diaper bag pulled on her shoulder, but she knew from experience that if she set it on the carry-on, it would just keep falling off. That's what she got not buying two pieces that were compatible. They emerged from the corridor into the shopping area, and she braced herself for Grayson asking a million questions about the different types of candy he saw and a million more about why he couldn't have any of them. But as they passed the displays, Grayson was quiet. And so was the rest of the airport. The shops were empty. No cashiers. No salespeople. Had there been any employees when they walked through earlier? She couldn't remember. She'd been so intent on getting Molly's diaper changed... But if the terminal was closed for the night, why had their plane been allowed to land here? Why had they been allowed to disembark? As they continued, Claire realized she didn't see anyone from their flight either. All the passengers that had been milling around, stretching their legs, were gone. They'd only been in the family bathroom for 10 or 15 minutes. There was no way the crew could have reboarded an entire 747 in that amount of time. Maybe it was some elaborate trick a way to get the screaming baby off the plane and left behind so the rest of the flight could continue quietly to New York. Claire dismissed the persecution complex as quickly as it had come. No one was trying to get her kicked off the plane. But it didn't explain where everyone was. Mommy? Grayson squeezed her hand. Let's get back to the gate. Grayson clung to her hand as the diaper bag threatened to slide off her shoulder and smack him in the head. She was hoping for a different result at the gates, but these were just as empty as the shop fronts. She walked Grayson and Molly down to their gate, dropped the diaper bag on one of the empty chairs, and walked up to the big glass window to look out onto the loading bays and runway. It felt weird to leave a bag unattended, but there was no one around to yell at her. Molly, clean now and content, snuggled against her chest. Their plane was still there, but she saw no movement outside. No airport employees driving carts, no one walking around in a reflective vest, no planes landing or taking off. Everything stationary. It was possible that the crew remained on the plane, but she couldn't see inside and there was no way she could get on board. The gate doors were closed. Were they putting everyone up in a hotel for the night? Bussing them from the airport to their accommodation? It would make sense if not for the amount of time. She'd worked at airports since she was 20 years old. It was impossible to arrange accommodation and transport 
not to mention getting an entire flight of over 200 people out of the airport in 15 minutes. Time to make a call, she thought. When she went to the diaper bag for her phone, she saw the marks Mr. Bumble had left on the carpet. Grayson had wheeled through something, leaving two parallel lines that traced all the way back up the hallway. Instinctively, she felt sympathy for the employee who would have to clean this up. Then she took a closer look at the stain. Red. She bent down. Sticky. Grayson sat in the chair next to the diaper bag, glancing up at the ceiling, his normally swinging legs still. She left him there and cautiously followed the lines. Molly fidgeted against her chest. Claire placed a hand on her back to calm her. The parallel red lines were brighter where the floor switched from gray carpet to white tile. She stopped at the edge of the carpet, unwilling to take another step, and followed the lines with her eyes. At the top of the hallway was the creeping puddle that Grayson must have wheeled through, seeping out from the nook that housed the service elevator. She looked closer and saw something pale lying in the puddle. Her sharp vision, 2010, had helped her get into the flight instruction program. Now it helped her see the object. A hand, lying in a pool of blood. Instinct told her to help the injured person. Then the hand was slowly dragged out of view. Quietly as she could, she ran back to Grayson. Claire knelt down to his level, Molly squirming against her chest, threatening to wake. Grayson, our flight isn't leaving tonight. We need to leave the airport, okay? And I want you to leave Mr. Bumble here. I'm going to leave my carry-on, too, and you're going to hold my hand as tight as you can, and we're going to run as fast as we can to the exit, okay? But we can't leave our bags alone in the airport. You always say... Movement up the hallway. Claire took Grayson's hands. I know what I say, but this is a special circumstance, okay? Claire stood up and rested the diaper bag on her shoulder. It had her wallet and passport, and the kids, too, and she didn't have time to sort the non-essentials from the essentials. With the carabiner she normally used to hook grocery bags to Molly's stroller, she clipped the diaper bag to Molly's carrier so it wouldn't slide off her shoulder. Click, click. She looked up the hallway. Did you hear it? He asked. Click, click. Nails on tile. Just like Grayson had said. Something moved near the service elevator. Yes, baby, I hear it. Grayson took her hand. All the doors to the jetways were locked, and this wasn't her airport. She didn't know the codes to open them. The hallway was their only option. She kept Grayson on her right side so he'd be away from the service elevator. Then, squeezing his hand, they ran. Grayson always made this noise when he ran. A little huffing grunt that her mom, not unkindly, once said sounded like a piglet running track. Usually it made Claire laugh. Now she wanted him to be quiet but he couldn't help it. As they neared the service elevator, she heard Grayson's breathing, but nothing else. She tried to keep him moving, but he stuttered to a stop when they reached the puddle of blood. Claire saw the dead woman's face. It was the woman from the bathroom. The top of her leopard print muumuu was still intact. Claire hoisted Grayson onto her hip, careful not to crush Molly, and ran. The diaper bag banged off her left hip. Grayson dug into her right, Molly kept wriggling against her chest. Claire pushed the pain out of her mind. The exit. They had to get to an exit. She reached security. Deserted. Click-clack. Click-clack. It was following them. On an airport security table was an abandoned walking stick. She grabbed it and stuck it down the back of the carrier. The security tunnel opened up into the main atrium where a silent check-in desk stood sentry. Across from them, the main doors and the dark night outside. Click-clack. Click-clack. Claire ran with Grayson towards the doors, but they didn't slide open. She pressed the emergency release. Nothing. She tried the other set. These two. Locked. A shadow passed behind the check-in desks. Grayson hiccuped, trying to catch his breath, as she searched the atrium for another way out. On the far right of the building, an emergency exit some warning in Icelandic plastered to the door. Probably alarm will sound, but Claire had no concern for alarms. She ran straight for the door, setting Grayson down so she could smack the door with both hands. It didn't open. She pushed against the bar, put her whole weight into it, but it was useless. Click-clack, 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 click-clack.
Click clack. Click clack. Claire heard no breath, but knew it was there. It had slowed to a stop directly behind her. Grayson covered his eyes and crouched to the floor, but there was no time to remove Molly from her carrier. Slowly, Claire withdrew the walking stick. She tightened her grip, took two steadying breaths. She turned and swung and screamed all at once, hit a blur of gray, swung again. This time it caught the walking stick in its grip, started pulling it from her. Claire wouldn't look at it, focused on the walking stick and the gray, long-fingered claw taking it from her. The black stick clattered to the floor, and she thought she was dead, until she realized she was still holding something. Shit! Concealed within the walking stick was a sword. Claire swung and missed. Claws came down on her arm. Molly woke and whimpered, distracting it for the second Claire needed. She brought the sword down with both hands and chopped something off. It skittered away on three legs, its long shadow disappearing back through security. Claire first checked Molly, who continued to cry but was otherwise unharmed. Then she turned to Grayson, crouched beneath the bar of the emergency exit door. Grayson? Grayson, baby, are you okay? Mommy, he wiped tears from his eyes. You can't have swords in airports. She looked at the weapon. You're absolutely right, but good thing someone didn't listen. She knew she had struck the thing, but the sword was clean of blood. Scanning the floor, she spotted a hand amputated at the wrist. She touched the tears on her sweatshirt where the thing had cut her, but this wasn't a claw. It was just a hand, and the sword had cut clean through, like she thought, but there was no blood. Not on the hand. Not on the floor. And the color of the skin was gray, the color of a corpse, and slightly withered, like it had been dead for some time. Claire recovered the walking stick sheath and replaced it over the sword, then reached for Grayson's hand. This way, baby. Where are we going? To find some place to hide. You said we were leaving. We are. I just have to figure out how, she added under her breath. She covered Grayson's eyes as they walked past the hand and led him to the row of shops before security. At the end was a little coffee shop, the storefront gate half pulled down. Claire ushered Grayson underneath the gate and, trying not to make much noise, lowered the gate the rest of the way. They weaved through the tables to the back of the cafe, where a door led to a small storage area, just four walls lined with shelves. Claire did a quick check, but there was nothing hiding inside. She closed the door behind them and sat with her back to it. There was nothing in the room heavy enough to barricade it. Grayson, help me with Molly. She had Grayson unclip the diaper bag from the carrier, instant relief from the pressure on her shoulder, and had him find one of Molly's blankets and a pacifier. Molly was red-faced and blubbering as Claire rocked her and gave her the pacifier. Once Molly had quieted, Claire laid her on the blanket and took off the carrier. Using the straps, she tied one end to the doorknob and the other to the nearest shelf, creating a makeshift security chain she hoped would hold. Free of Molly's weight, she cataloged the soreness in her chest and arms, counted the bruises. Those claws had definitely cut through her sweatshirt. But the hand on the ground had looked remarkably human. What was happening? She needed a minute to rest, to think, to plan. Mommy, I'm hungry. With a sigh, Claire lifted her sore arms to take a bag of goldfish crackers and a packet of fruit snacks from the diaper bag. Grayson took the goldfish. Claire was tempted to eat the fruit snacks, but there wasn't much food left. She decided to save it for Grayson and see what the cafe had in storage. Maybe she'd get lucky and find a cinnamon roll. A layer of dust coated the shelved boxes, thick enough that she could run her finger through it. She opened a box filled with bags of chips, but as soon as she ate one, she almost spit it out. She'd never tasted anything so stale. She checked the expiration date. 06-2001. She tried another box, this one filled with individually wrapped cookies. Expired 3-2001. And the coffee grounds 12-2001. Grayson, wait here with Molly. I'm just going into the cafe for a second. She untied the carrier opened the door slowly and, seeing nothing, crept towards the counter. There was the newspaper stand she had noticed on the way in. She grabbed all three editions and hurried back into the storage room, re-securing the carrier. 
One paper was in Icelandic, the other German. The third was a USA Today. But the language on the papers didn't matter. What she wanted to check was the date, and all three had the same. February 7, 2000. What the hell? You said a bad word, Mommy. Eat some fruit snacks. As Grayson ate and Molly wriggled and kicked on the mat, Claire found her iPhone at the bottom of the diaper bag. There was no Wi-Fi. She didn't think there would be. But she did have a global travel pass on her phone and one bar of signal. She did a search of the airport's name and waited as the agonizingly slow search bar progressed. Around them, the airport sat in stillness. She'd been in quiet airports plenty of times, working the last shift, getting in before dawn to start the day. But that was a different sort of quiet, like a body at rest, falling asleep or waking up. This was the stillness of a tomb, a corpse, she and her kids squirming inside, like a trio of maggots. Mommy, why are you making that face? I'm not making a face. Eat your goldfish. I already ate my goldfish. I'm eating the fruit snacks. Then you shouldn't be talking with your mouth full. The search bar ticked across. She listened for any movement outside the door. Mommy, is it going to eat us? But the search results loaded, and she didn't answer Grayson's question. Because of how long it took to load the results, she was afraid to click on any links, not wanting to waste any more time or any more battery, so she just read the headlines and the snippets that appeared with them. Airport closed. Lack of tourism. Out of business. Bankruptcy. And in an article towards the bottom, quarantine. Initial reports that the airport was quarantined were... But she couldn't read the rest without clicking on the link. She scrolled back up, checking all the available dates. February 2000. This airport was shut down in February 20 years ago. Is 20 years a long time? Yeah, it is. Then why didn't they turn off the lights? Grayson asked through a mouthful of fruit snacks, letting his sister tug on his finger. You always tell me to turn off the lights when we leave and when we're not in the room and... Claire looked up at the bare glowing bulb in the ceiling. And why would the plane be diverted here? Who gave the pilot clearance to land? Who's in air traffic control? She opened the weather app on her phone and tapped impatiently on her thigh until it loaded. There's no storm in New York. The entire eastern seaboard is clear. The lights flickered. She thought she heard a creak, like the building settling or contracting. Claire opened Google Maps, urged it to load. When it did, it was difficult to tell because there was nothing around them. Mommy, is it going to eat us? No roads. No businesses. They weren't even on Iceland proper like the captain had implied, but an island off the northern coast. An island with no bridges. We have to get back on the plane, she said. The lights flickered again and the groaning of the building became unmistakable, a stomach rumbling. Sooner rather than later. Claire dumped the contents of the diaper bag onto the floor and sifted through for only what she needed. Her and the children's passports and her wallet, which she zipped into her coat pocket with her phone and house keys. Extra diapers, some of which she put in a pocket, and others she taped around Grayson's chest, underneath his sweater, giving him an extra layer of padding. She stuffed his pockets with the remaining snacks and dressed Molly in her jacket and bonnet. With the kids ready to go, Claire strapped herself into the baby carrier and slipped on her jacket before buckling Molly in. Even though she was lighter without the diaper bag, the carrier weighed on her shoulders and back, and she felt clumsy with all these things shoved in her pockets. Molly, unhappy about the bonnet, squirmed and snuffled against her chest. Okay, baby. She unearthed the sword and handed the walking stick to Grayson. Anything comes near you, you swing at them with that. Like T-ball? Just like T-ball. She ruffled his hair. Except try to have better aim, she added under her breath. She checked outside the storage door first, saw nothing, then led Grayson into the cafe. He carried the walking stick on his shoulder like a baseball bat, two hands gripped on the end. Knowing what she did now added a layer of decay to the airport that she hadn't noticed before. Mold on the decaying pastries in the display case, layers of grease and dust on the tables and floor. She lifted the gate, and left it up after they walked into the atrium. What had earlier appeared bright white and silver was now dull gray and rusted. 
The tile was cracked and cobwebs were strung from the stanchions, though she saw no spiders, saw nothing living save her kids. The lights flickered. Grayson stopped, but Claire pressed a firm hand to his back and kept him moving. The storefronts prior to security, which once held brightly colored displays of neatly stacked goods, were faded with age and dust. The displays knocked from shelves, perfume and candy scattered across the floor. Magazines lay crumbled and torn in the sticky remnants of broken liquor bottles. At security, Claire paused. Grayson in one hand, the sword in the other. The hallway on the other side of security, their path to the gate, was a blind spot. Anything could be waiting for them around the corner. She listened. Heard nothing. But that didn't mean there was nothing. She thought of the scratches on her arm and the gray, weathered hand lying on the floor, how it had made no noise except for the sound of its nails on the floor. Stay close, she whispered. They weaved through the stanchions and passed through the silent metal detectors. The lights went out. Grayson gasped and clung to her leg. Click-clack. As her eyes adjusted to the dark, she hoisted Grayson onto the conveyor belt. Crawl, she said, into the X-ray machine. Click-clack. But now, Grayson. His foot disappeared as it appeared in the darkness. Click-clack. She could only make out the shape of it as it stretched to its full height, long and thin, like a person that had been stretched out into the sharpness of a knife. The only sound of breath was hers and Molly's. Silently it lunged, and she struck. One of its arms fell to the floor. She stepped on the fallen limb. Brittle. It cracked like one of Grayson's Canex pieces. Whatever it was, it was breakable as well as sharp like a jagged piece of glass. It came at her again and she took off a leg, and when, unbalanced, it fell, she took off the head and kicked it away like a soccer ball. She was about to call for Grayson when, click-clack, another appeared. Click-clack, click-clack, and two more with it. Click-clack, the sound of another approached from the atrium they had just escaped. Shit, she whispered. They had her boxed in, a trap. And even if she went down swinging, even if she took out as many as she could, if she went down, they would get Molly. And even if Grayson was safe and hidden, he had no way to escape the airport without her. Without her, he would die here. She gripped the sword in both hands. They encroached. Molly started to cry. Soft at first, but then into the ear-splitting screech she used when most upset. The things recoiled. The click-clack from the atrium slowed. Though they were without breath, they must have had ears. Claire laughed, her nerves making her shake. What's wrong? Never heard a baby before. This is nothing. As if understanding, Molly screeched even louder. The things jerked back. Claire sliced through their legs. When they collapsed, she went for the necks, chopping off the heads one by one but in her fury and Molly's crying, she hadn't heard the third come up behind her. A cold, sharp claw gripped her shoulder. She couldn't turn, tried to elbow it, but missed. Its head neared her neck, sharp teeth against her skin. And then it collapsed. She jumped away, and there was Grayson with the walking stick, beating the creature to the ground. She pulled him back and finished it off with the sword. Mommy, this is not like T-ball. No, maybe more like field hockey. What's field hockey? She took Grayson's hand. I'll explain later. Half the lights clicked back on, as if an old generator somewhere had finally started up. Let's go. Molly kept crying as they ran down the hall to the gates. Those things, if there were more, would have no trouble following them. But if they didn't like the sound anyway, then it wouldn't matter. Claire prepared to shield Grayson's eyes when they passed the service elevator, but the body of the Moo woman was gone. Confused, she crouched down. Mommy? Just a sec. The blood was still there, sort of, but only a stain rather than a puddle, and it wasn't like someone had tried to clean it, more like it had been absorbed into the floor. Mommy? Grayson pointed. At the top of the hall, partially in shadow, was another group of those things. But these were different. Their skin retained some color, they wore clothes, a ten-gallon cowboy hat, 
a tailored business suit, a blue airline attendant's uniform, a leopard print muumuu. But their bodies... The lights flickered off. The lights flickered on. Their bodies were stretching, elongating, sharpening right before her eyes. The lights flickered off. The lights flickered on. They stretched further. The lights flickered off. The lights flickered on. And further still, there had been 213 people on her flight plus the crew, and those bodies were still fresh. They would not be so easily cut. They merely winced at Molly's cries. She took Grayson's hand and ran. Their carry-ons remained at the gate where she'd left them. Without stopping, Claire grabbed her hard-shell case and threw it at the glass door. The glass cracked. Just one line threading out from where the corner of the case had made impact. She picked it up and slammed it again, the cracks spreading. Again and again she bashed the carry-on at the weakest point. Molly cried and Grayson screamed, but Claire would not turn around. Finally, the glass splintered and shattered. She knocked out enough to create a hole big enough for Grayson to fit through. She wished she could throw a blanket or jacket over the jagged glass, but there was no time. She scooped up Grayson. Keep your legs straight. She stuck him through feet first, lowering him as far as she could before letting him drop the rest of the way to the floor. Grayson, take your sister. Take your sister. She pulled the screaming Molly from the carrier and handed her through. Grayson took her carefully, her infant weight dragging down his skinny arms. Claire started to climb through the hole. A claw grabbed the carrier and yanked her back. She grabbed the sword and blindly swung, striking something. The grip released, but then another was on her. Mommy! Grayson, get to the plane! Take Molly to the plane! He hesitated. Now! He turned and started down the jetway, moving awkwardly with Molly in his arms. Claire didn't want to see how many were upon her. She just kept fighting, kept swinging and kicking. When she had an opening, she threw herself headfirst through the hole, the glass cutting her palms, the sweatshirt protecting her stomach, but only just. The glass dug into her thighs. She put her hands on the floor inside the jetway, legs out behind her, like a half handstand. Something grabbed her foot. She kicked back. With a final thrust forward, she tumbled through the hole. The breath was knocked out of her. Her hands were bleeding. Glass peppered her back. In the half-light, she could see the hands and faces clawing through the glass to get to her, their bodies continuing to elongate each time the lights went out. Claire rolled to her knees and reached for the sword, but she'd lost it on the other side of the glass. More cracks showed as the bodies pressed their weight upon it. Claire pushed herself to her feet and limped down the jetway towards Molly's cries. She found Molly and Grayson huddled in the round bend of the jetway where excess carry-ons and strollers were left to be loaded before takeoff. She held out her hand. Time to move, baby. The loud sound of glass shattering echoed down the jetway. But the plane door was open. Claire helped Grayson get on with Molly, then stared at the jetway controls. She'd never been trained for this, but she had seen it done many times. She pulled the levers and found the one that pulled the jetway back. Mommy! I'm coming! And so were the others. She undid the carrier, glass dropping as she removed it, and wrapped it around the lever. Then she tied the other end of the carrier to another part of the console so the jetway kept moving back on its own. Mommy! Feet stampeded down the retracting jetway. Claire ran and leapt into the plane, losing her balance and falling hard into the aisle, her shoulder and arm going numb. A multitude of shapes appeared in the jetway, continuing towards them. She scrambled to her feet and, with her good arm, yanked the plane's door into place, just as something thudded into it. She locked the door and, through the window, saw the rest of the creatures huddled at the edge of the continuously receding jetway. Boarding is by group number only. What'd you say, Mommy? Nothing. Take Molly into the cockpit and wait there. I'm going to check the rest of the plane. She grabbed the fire extinguisher, then hurried through the plane, kicking in the bathroom doors, opening every overhead compartment from tip to tail. There was no one, and nothing else, on board. She grabbed a couple bottles of water and returned to the cockpit, locking her and the kids inside. If there was something she missed, it wouldn't be getting through that door. Okay, baby. You sit here and hold Molly and you two will be my co-pilots. She sat in the pilot's chair. Remember how Mommy told you she was going to school so much so she could learn to fly planes? Well, now you get to see what I learned. She turned on the plane, looked over the instrument panel. But you told Grandma you hated school. 
First, what have I told you about eavesdropping? Second, just because you hate something sometimes doesn't mean you don't love it, too. She closed her eyes, took a deep breath, pretended she had done all her pre-flight checks, and then realized she couldn't reverse from the gate. Shit. Shit! She slammed her hands on the instrument panel. There was no tug to push the plane back from the gate. Of course there wasn't. And if she tried to move forward, she would run the left side of the plane into the terminal building. Shit! Molly cried and Grayson shrunk away, scared of her temper. Sorry, baby, I'm sorry. She looked up at the terminal, wondered how long it would take those things to get out of the building and onto the ground where they could crawl up the landing gear. Molly kept crying. Grayson was too scared to speak. Claire ruffled his hair, rubbed his back. She had to do something. She had to. A power back, she said. I'll do a power back maneuver. Totally easy. Pilots do it all the time. Grayson, I need you to buckle yourself in and hold Molly really tight, okay? Grayson shook his head. But, but I don't know how. I can't reach the seatbelt. And Molly always wriggles on planes. I can't. Claire got out of her chair and knelt in front of him. He looked constantly at the cockpit door as if one of those things was going to break in. Grayson, Grayson, look at me. She gripped his shoulders. It's going to be okay. You got this. Remember how you attacked that thing when it tried to get me? You were so brave. You're such a good traveler and you've been so brave. I know you can do it, okay? She kissed him on the forehead. Do you want help with your seatbelt? He looked at the chair, then back at her, and nodded. The chairs were designed for full-grown men, not five-year-olds, but Claire did what she could to tighten the straps as much as possible. Now hold her tight. I know she wriggles, but you just keep holding her, okay? The headset crackled. Claire grabbed it and slipped it over her head. Hello? Hello? It crackled again. Nothing. Then, hello, this is air traffic control. Claire looked up at the darkened air traffic control tower. You do not have clearance for takeoff. Please disembark. We will recommence boarding as soon as possible. Like hell, Claire removed the headset and buckled herself into the seat. She could still hear the voice coming from the headset. We want you to stay. She rested her hand on the switch that would reverse the engines. Soar with us, Claire. She unplugged the headset. A power back meant reversing engines so that she could push the plane back from the gate. It also meant burning fuel and potentially sucking foreign objects into the engines. She had no idea what was down on the ground out there. Two seconds in and she could blow up one or both engines. But there was no other way she could reverse the plane. No other way to move from the gate. She looked at Grayson and smiled. Ready? He didn't smile back. She cupped his cheek. We're almost home. Claire reversed the engines. The noise made Grayson hunch forward, trying to hide his head. He couldn't cover his ears because he was holding Molly. Why hadn't she thought of earplugs? Cockpits could be so loud. But she couldn't worry about that now. Slowly, she pushed the plane back from the gate, every moment anticipating the sound of something getting sucked into the engines, of one or both exploding of getting her children killed. But it didn't happen. The plane reversed without incident and, as soon as she was far enough from the building, she switched the engines to forward thrust. She started laughing. She couldn't help it. Grayson, in all seriousness, said, Mommy, we're not in the air. She laughed and leaned over to kiss him, let Molly grab her finger. I know. That's what comes next. She taxied away from the gate. It was dark and difficult to see anything other than the terminal building on her left. There was movement in the windows of the terminal, movement she didn't want to look too closely at. Fortunately, the only good fortune today was that this small airport had only one nearby runway. She turned onto it and stared down the darkness. She pretended she was in the flight simulator, that she was alone despite Molly's continued crying. Claire, don't leave. The headset she'd unplugged crackled. Claire, you aren't ready. The plane accelerated. Most accidents occurred at takeoff and landing. The plane picked up more speed. 
She couldn't see where the end of the runway was. The plane shook. The end of the runway could appear at any time. She pulled back and nosed the plane into the air. Molly cried. In her head, Claire was screaming, but she clenched her jaw, kept pulling the plane up. All the wheels left the ground. The plane continued to rise up through the darkness, the clouds. She pulled up the landing gear, watched the altimeter, said nothing until the plane reached 30,000 feet. Then she evened the plane out and put it on autopilot, took her shaking hands off the controls. She did it. They were in the air. They hadn't crashed. But there was so much she needed to do, so much she didn't know. How much fuel was left? Where were they heading? She hoped they were continuing towards Greenland, that they could land somewhere in Canada. She would have to look at the flight plan, and soon, and she would need to turn the radio back on try to reach an air traffic controller in North America? What if she was in the path of another plane? What if autopilot took them back to the same small airport and they hadn't escaped at all? What if one of those things had crawled onto the landing gear and was on the plane right now? And if she did land the plane somewhere safe, how was she going to explain what happened? She didn't have answers to any of it. All she had was a plane in the air, above the clouds, her five-year-old son and infant daughter beside her expecting her to know what to do. She looked out the windshield at the night around them and the very slight glimmer of dawn on the horizon. Mommy, when are we going to land? She reached over and took Molly, soothed her in one arm while holding Grayson's hand with the other. When it's safe, baby. When it's safe. For now, just look at those stars. Lauren A. Forey, a frequent contributor to Brick Moon Fiction, was brought up in the woods of Bucks County, Pennsylvania, where her FBI agent father and book-loving mother raised her on a diet of the X-Files and R.L. Stein. She earned her MFA in creative writing from Kingston University in London and was awarded the Faber and Faber Creative Writing M.A. Prize for her first horror novel, The Compulsion. Her debut novel, Abigail Hall, a psychological thriller, is available from Black and White Publishing. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.